0: This week's module is on genetic and metabolic disorders. For the next two slides, we'll talk about some brief review. Um, You definitely want to make sure that you read through this in the textbook. Um, But essentially, you know, the human, human beings are made up of 46 chromosomes, 23 pairs of homologous chromosomes. When we look at genetic disorders, we look at to see whether... The genetic component is dominant or recessive. So, those that have autosomal dominant disorders, and these are patients or children that would actually either parent, um, if they have the disease or if they have the gene, can pass it on and it'll, their children will develop it. With autosomal recessive, the individual must inherit a gene mutation from both parents um, in order for them to exhibit the disorder and not every single child or live birth will have the disorder. It sometimes can be random. But again, both parents do have to have the uh, recessive gene. For X-linked disorders, um, here's where, like for X-linked recessive disorder, females are, are classically the carriers and all males who inherit the gene will express or exhibit the disease whereas X-linked dominant disorders lacks male-to-male transmission so that only females are affected with these disorders. And in some cases, the genetic mutation can be lethal in male patients. When we look at inborn errors of metabolism, we first look at the pathophysiology. And generally, almost all of these different disorders are detected on the newborn screening. And every state is different, so every state will actually test for different newborn screening methods. Some are more comprehensive, some are less, Um, but essentially they're looking at a group of congenital disorders um, that lack the ability to synthesize uh, or provide catabolism for the three major macros, proteins, carbohydrates, or fats. Um, Most often it is due to a defect in an enzyme or transport protein, and the cause Um, it can cause an interference with everyday cell processing. So you can imagine if children have these disorders, any food that they take in could be problematic. So they may be required to be placed on a specific diet um, or they may require specific medication um, to help them with these metabolic processes. The presentation can be nonspecific. Usually it starts out with feeding intolerance. And today, more often than not, the parents, you know, once the child's newborn screening results come back, um, we often will reach out to these families and then we'll find some of these presentation um, symptoms such as the feeding intolerance or history of vomiting. Um, some children may present with altered mental status um, they, and they also may present with failure to thrive, or they may start out as a normal infant, and then the parents start noticing, or the, their primary care physician will start noticing a neurological deterioration. The time range, depending on the disorder, can be from birth um, and on since early in the, in, in the newborn period, um, or it may present hours to months later um, as these, um, <clears throat> these errors in metabolism accumulate. The evaluation is going to include an extensive history focusing on prior illnesses or episodes of decompensation. Um, You want to get a detailed dietary history. Is this child being breastfed? Are they formula fed? Um, Did the mother start switching formulas because there was intolerance of feeding? Is there a family history of these metabolic disorders? Do the parents know um, that they've been tested in the past for genetic um, issues or genetic issues? Abnormalities, um, or is there anyone in the family with those types of genetic abnormalities? And then, of course, we want to know the family history early. Um, if there were any early infant deaths without a known cause, again, their presenting symptoms can can include lethargy, poor feeding, vomiting, respiratory distress, jaundice, seizures, coma, congestive heart failure, or hypotonia. And I've I've listed the differential diagnoses that. Co- correspond with these symptoms. And you can find this in the textbook. Um, This is one of the tables that they provided. Your plan of care is going to include um, evaluations. You're going to get um, lab work, such as a CBC, a BMP. You definitely want to get an ammonia level, especially if there's concern for um, illnesses in which they cannot break down proteins or they... um, have a defect in breaking down proteins and part of your protein metabolism is ammonium. Um, you also wanna get a blood gas to see if they have any type of acidosis. Uh, you wanna check a, lactic, uh, a lactate level as well, uric acid, uh, carnitine profiles, and you're also gonna wanna check your urine amino acids as well as blood amino acids. Um, you can also measure the urine for organic acids. Um, and then your immediate intervention is going to be to, to remove the toxic metabolite. So, for instance, if you have a newborn screen and you know what the order, disorder is, such, let's say it's propionic acidemia, then they can start providing interventions to help remove those metabolites and help controlling um, the ammonia, uh, an elevated ammonia level um, and things like that. We want to prevent, prevent any further catabolism. And we do this by administering um, IV fluids with dextrose at one and a half times the maintenance level. And you want to start that as soon as possible. Um, you also want to obtain all your blood work before you start your dextrose administration. Many of these kids may have a hyper ammonia, uh, an elevated ammonia level, and we treat this by giving them drugs such as sodium benzoate and sodium phenylbutyrate. Um, I believe it's also known as uh, aminol. Uh, we can place them on dialysis um, to help remove some of these toxic metabolites. Um, when they have these elevated ammonia levels, we have to be very concerned about issues with uh, cerebral development. And these patients with severe hyperammonemia will be placed on hemodialysis, um, and, and usually it's done fairly quickly. We'll also, you know, give the child uh, vitamin um, administration as well as specific therapeutic medications, and oftentimes these children these children are placed on specific diets, and this is to help prevent these errors in the metabolism. All of them will be assigned to a geneticist or a genetic um, uh, medical team um, where they will actually monitor these patients, and oftentimes they're, they're assigned to a, uh, <clears throat> a dietitian that specializes in metabolic disorders. Now moving on to some of the different uh, congenital um, or genetic defects that we see, we'll start off with Angelman syndrome. Here they have dysmorphic features such as short stature. They can have severe uh, developmental delay. They can have an ataxic gait, um, inappropriately happy demeanor. Um, They can often be awake at night um, or have difficulty sleeping. Many of these kids can have seizure disorders. We usually are able to detect these, um, this particular and many of our other uh, genetic, uh, or genetic defects um, through FISH testing. We can also um, provide them interventions such as physical, occupational, and speech therapy um, to help them accomplish some of their milestones, helping them with communication and feeding. Um, again, if they have seizure disorders, we'll place them on Um, anti-seizure medication, um, and oftentimes they may need to be placed on sedatives at night um, to prevent some of that nighttime wakefulness. Next, we have a condition called CHARGE syndrome, and this is one that I would would really advise all of you to kind of become familiar with and memorize and know well. Um, Here we have a constellation of anomalies, um, such as um, with CHARGE, they have a coloboma, which is a defect in the iris of the eye. You'll see, instead of seeing round um, uh, pupils, you may see clover-shaped or, or malformed um, uh, pupils in the, in the eyes. Uh, many of these children have heart defects. They can have coanal atresia. They can have growth uh, and development um, retardation, genital abnormalities, and ear anomalies. And whenever one one rule that I, I've I've learned from our genetic team here at the University of Florida is that if you see one um, congenital anomaly, look for two, and if you see two, look for ten, because um, oftentimes they're they're very telling as to where they place with these genetic um, defects. So if you see a child with ear tags, or they have an anomaly of their outer ear or inner ear then you wanna start looking for other issues as well. Um, Most of the diagnostic studies are are, are really involving your physical exam. So you'll look for the coloboma in the eye. You can look and evaluate the cranial nerves to look for any anomalies there. And of course, you can also look inside the ear for any abnormalities. Oftentimes, we will do the surgical correction of their heart defects. um, We'll correct their coanal atresia. If they have any type of renal involvement, They will need to see a nephrologist, or they may need to be also referred to an uh, ENT specialist for any type of hearing issues that they might have. Um, For feeding difficulties, they may also express gastroesophageal uh, uh, reflux, um, and they may need to be following up with a GI doctor. And oftentimes, these children have some type of delay in puberty, which may require hormone uh, replacement therapy. Cystic fibrosis, I'm going to touch on a little bit in this presentation because we're going to dedicate a little bit more time to this over the summer in NGR 6312. But essentially here you have a child that presents usually with a meconium ileus ileus in the newborn period. They can have nasal polyps, poor growth, failure to thrive. Um, They can have frequent pulmonary infections, chronic cough, shortness of breath. Um, They can have greasy stools, um, oftentimes they you know, they can, um, they will be, will assess in the newborn screening process for cystic fibrosis. But if there's also a concern, we can send off a sweat test. And then for our management for these patients, we have to, uh, it's multi, it's multifaceted. Oftentimes they have chronic pulmonary infections, which will require chronic admissions or chronic evaluation for these infections and treatment. Um, they also have an inability to um, utilize their pancreatic enzymes, so we have to provide supplementation um, for, these, for them to help with their digestive uh, system. And then if, if their disease process is, is involved or eventually at some point um, they may require a lung transplant, but we also need to be aware that that's more of a positive type treatment than it is curative. Fragile X syndrome. Um these these patients present with a moderate uh uh developmental delay. Um it's usually affects um, uh males tend to have more of a severe of the developmental delay. Um they can have uh, facial appearances which become more distinctive after puberty, such as a very long face, an enlarged jaw, enlarged forehead and ears. Um Their diagnostic study for this is the Southern blot analysis um, and your therapeutic management for them is behavioral therapy, educational intervention, and medical management of seizures if they develop seizures over time. Marfan syndrome, um, this this one is pretty common in the pediatric uh, community where we do do tend to see these over time. Um, Typically, they're very tall, thin, Um, They can have issues with their eyes, such as displacement of the lens or ectopic lentus. Often, this usually occurs before the uh, age of 10. Um, Their cardiac defects that involve with these patients is usually an aortic root dilation or some type of problem with the mitral valve, such as mitral valve prolapse. Um, They can develop scoliosis. Oftentimes, they have a pectus excavatum or pectus uh, carinatum. Um, They can have dural ectasia and enlargement of the dura at the lumbar sacral level. And typically, they're asymptomatic. Some children complain of back pain and leg pain. Um, These kids, you know, they can do, when we evaluate them, they can do what we know as the party tricks because they're very flexible. Um, As you can see in this picture here where she has a lot of joint laxity here, she can do things that most kids can't. Um, So oftentimes, we'll ask the, the kids if they can move their thumb to their wrist. And if they have a lot of laxity there, that may be an indication that you may need to evaluate further. Um, so oftentimes, I mean, especially remember working with pediatric surgery when they're looking at patients with pectus pectus uh, excavatum before they do the surgical correction, they they do a, a further analysis to see if the child does have Marfan syndrome or not. Um, The diagnosis, um, it's your clinical diagnosis. Um, The standard of care requires four major criteria. They would have the aortic root dilation, the ectopia lentis, the dural ectasia, and skeletal fine. Therapeutic management for these patients oftentimes is just a watch and wait monitoring approach. If they require cardiac surgery, we'll provide that for them. If their aortic root looks good, cardiology will typically just monitor them. Um, throughout the lifespan just to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, usually these, these, uh, these patients will avoid contact sports and strenuous activities, um, and they will get um, annual echocardiograms just to kind of monitor their cardiac status. Noonan syndrome. Again, these children have a short stature, developmental delay, and cardiac defects. Um, But they also have some pretty um, classical facial characteristics, such as a tall forehead. The hypertolerism is where their eyes are very, very spaced apart. They also have low-set ears. And when we talk about low-set ears, we're looking at the top of the ear is lower than the outer canthus of the eye. So as you can see in this picture, the child's ears are definitely more low-set than a normal child. They often have a short neck with a low hairline. Again, we can make this diagnosis based on your physical exam and clinical findings. Your therapeutic management for these patients are usually going to be evaluation for pulmonary uh, pulmonic stenosis um, as far as cardiac defects um, and will provide surgical correction if, if required. Um, you may also send coagulation studies, um, therapeutic management, correction of, of other associated defects in early intervention. And again, these children may require uh, growth hormone replacement therapy. Uh, PKU or uh, urea. Again, this is another um, exam that's done on the newborn screening done in almost every single state um, throughout the United States. Um, it is a progressive mental um, disorder, or mental. The, the children have this progressive developmental delay or ment- mental developmental, mental developmental delay. They will get a special diet, um, but we do encourage uh, breastfeeding as well as formula feeding. Um, the dietary restrictions are significant and focus on limiting the amount of protein and reducing uh, feed levels. Prader willi um, is another syndrome that um, I've seen over the years. And here, you know, these children present with the severe hypotonia feeding difficulties developmental delay, and dysmorphic features. And oftentimes, um, these kids are known as the kids that can eat themselves to death. Um, they, have, they don't know when they're full, so they're constantly have this hyperphagia, and they're at a, a great risk for morbid obesity. Um, but they can also have small um, uh, hands and small feet. They can have microgenitalia, Um, Oftentimes, these kids have obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh, as I mentioned before, developmental delay. We can identify this disorder on a FISH um, test, um, as well as a methylation and UPD analysis. Um, Therapeutic management for these children is to provide growth hormone replacement um, to ensure that they have an adequate height and mass. They may require sex hormone therapy as well. To encourage the growth of those hormones. Um, they may require surgery for specific uh, other issues that they may um, develop. Um, but oftentimes these kids really require a lot of behavioral interventions, specifically when it comes to eating and, and dieting. Um, the parents need to have a lot of patience with these with these children because of all um, the various different delays that they they can encounter. Um, and as well as making sure that they are involved in some type of exercise program. Rett syndrome, um, usually occurs in young, young ladies, young girls. Um, and they usually develop normally until about six to 18 months. And then the parents start no- noticing some type of developmental, pr- uh, regression. Um, there's loss of motor skills and, and communi- you know, speech uh, may have some speech delay. Um, their head circumference uh, growth slows down, um, which is another reason why you want to look at your growth charts um, as you're monitoring these patients um, when they're admitted and, and things like that. Um, they can have various degrees of spasticity and ataxia um, and scoliosis is al- uh, seizures and scoliosis is also common um, with Rett syndrome. Again, your diagnostic studies are going to be based on features and behaviors. Your physical exam, um, therapeutic manag- management is often limited to supportive therapy. Um, again, for pharmacological therapy, we can provide medications for seizures, but they may be very difficult to, to control. Um, and then early in intervention and therapies are recommended. Uh, trisomy thirteen here on the on chromosome, you know, you have a. You have a Instead of having two chromosomes, at, on, you actually have three. And usually these children present with severe central nervous system anomalies. They can have a cleft lip, cleft palate. They can have polydactyly, which means they have extra um, digits, uh, rocker bottom feet. Um, oftentimes these kids have cardiac defects, specifically ventricular septal defects. And they can also have... Um, It's also known as a lethal anomaly as well, as many of these children die within the first uh, few months or the first few years of life. We have had some children live a few years with trisomy 13, um, but it's not very common. I think here we'll do a kerotype um, analysis, um, and then we'll provide any type of supportive therapy that we can provide to these children and their families, um, specifically when it comes to surgical correction of the cardiac defects. Trisomy 18. These patients, too, also have a significant developmental delay, low set ears, rocker bottom feet, and hypertonia. Um, these, they can have um, uh, their characteristic for their clenched fist with the second and fifth fingers overlapping the third and fourth digits. Um, their cardiac They also are very common to have cardiac defects. And again, here, it's also a very poor survival. I've also met a few trisomy 18 patients that have lived into a few years as well. Um, but again, you know, survival tends to be pretty um, pretty poor. Um, we can also do kerotype analysis for these patients as well. And again, we'll provide any, any supportive treatment that they require, such as surgical correction of cardiac defects. Next, we'll talk about Turner syndrome. Here, these patients usually present with some type of cystic hygroma or some type of fluid-filled sac um, on prenatal ultrasound. Um, it's usually first the first anomaly, abnormality noted. They can also have lymphedema, uh, but these patients are often, um, you know, qu- quickly recognized for their short stature, the web neck, and a broad chest. Now, I will, re- I will let you know that there are various degrees of Turner syndrome, um, and I have met some some women that are um, that have had Turner syndrome, um, and you would never know because they don't have all the characteristical features. Um, and they actually found they found their Turner syndrome um, through genetic testing. Um, it does affect women, I believe, more than men. And it, it, it's a cardiac defect. Uh, the, the, the typical cardiac defect that you'll see is a bicuspid aortic valve or coarctation. These women almost all have problems with infertility. Um, In fact, I did meet uh, someone once who found out she did have Turner syndrome because she was unable to become pregnant, and they did some genetic testing, and this one came up, and she had no other features such as the short stature or the web neck or anything like that. Um, They can also have amenorrhea, delay in in their puberty, um, as well as kidney abnormalities. And here again, we can do kerotype testing for these patients. Um, Here's a nice image. You also have this image in your textbook of a child that has Turner syndrome. And again, for our management, we're gonna do echocardiograms and renal ultrasounds to evaluate them for any issues down the road. Um, We're gonna provide any surgical management. These kids can have pretty healthy, normal lives. Um, So we just need to provide the supportive care that they need and provide the consultations that they need, whether that be um, through endocrine, cardiology, uh, nephrology, um, whatever they need for their um, supportive care. And again, they can have growth, they may require growth hormone replacement um, during childhood. Next, we'll talk about Vactoral Invader um, Syndrome. And again, I would encourage you to kind of memorize these um, because you will see these not only here in in the course, but you'll see them throughout your career. Um, And I've highlighted um, in this with the presentation, with vectoral Syndrome, they often have A vertebral anomaly. They can have an imperforated anus or anal atresia, is usually the common one. They can have some type of cardiac defect. Again, tracheoesophageal fistula or some type of esophageal atresia or both. Um, They can have renal abnormalities and limb abnormalities. So, again, when I said that if you find one defect, you look for two. And if you find two, you want to look for 10, um, because this is one that may really narrow down um, your diagnosis for a patient just by doing your physical exam. Um, again, we, you know, we diagnose these based on our physical exam and our primary features. Um, and of course we're going to provide any type of supportive or therapeutic management for them, whether that's their cardiac surgery, monitoring them for scoliosis as they become older and monitoring their renal function as well as providing support. Um, they may require surgery for their, their tracheal esophageal fistulas, um, and they may require feeding, um, support as well. vader syndrome is just um it's 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 a type it's 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 included in VACTERL syndrome mainly because the vader syndrome is is just uh it's missing a few pieces so they may be missing that cardiac defect but may have some of the other features the last defect we'll talk about is williams syndrome and again these children usually present with the cardiac defect most commonly you'll see a supravalvular aortic stenosis. Um, usually they're short with a distinctive facial appearance. They have a broad brow, full lips, wide mouth, short nose, and a stellate iris pattern. Um, their, their eyes have a, almost look crystallized when you look at the, um, the color of their eyes. They, too, also have a developmental delay, can have feeding difficulties and distinctive personality issues. Um, they can excessively... Uh, uh, they, they can be social but may have some, some significant anxiety when working with staff. Um, and they can also have um, an elevated calci- uh, hyper cal- uh, calciuria. And we can also diagnose, diagnose this on, on fish analysis as well. Our treatment plan is going to involve the pediatric cardiologist. And oftentimes, many hospitals will have Williams Syndrome clinics. Uh, because these kids do require evaluation from multiple different specialists, so they'll bring them in, and all usually all at the same time. Um, and then they'll, you know, the cardiologist will see them first, and then if they need a surgical consult, they'll do that at the same time. Um, they can see their um, counselors for their behavioral counseling. Um, they may have to see a dietitian, a nephrologist for any type of kidney issues, um, and and they may need to be followed up with endocrine. Um, to to evaluate them for diabetes, thyroid function, um, and things of the such. All right, that's it for this week. It's a very short week. Um, If you have any questions, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out.